Welcome to Am I Qualified to Do This, a podcast for anyone who has ever asked themselves, am I qualified to do this? I'm your host, Katherine Kelly, study of imposter syndrome and constant asker of the question, am I qualified to do this, including right now as I record and edit this podcast. This week's guest is my college roommate, Megan Barker. This amazing human being can be seen in films like Killing Kate and Maybe Tonight, TV shows like Quantum Leap and Before We Go, but to me, she will always be my favorite Say Yes to the Dress and House Hunters International buddy and a badass in so many ways. Right after our final semester at Hendricks College, Megan packed up her SUV and headed to Los Angeles to pursue her career in acting. Megan has always been leading lady material throughout her time at Hendricks and even now. It's been absolutely amazing to watch her take LA by storm. I know, you're probably wondering, why is a successful actress on a podcast about imposter syndrome? Well, as I said before, no one can escape imposter syndrome. It's something that we all face. Now, let's dive into the interview. Um, So Megan, I'm so excited to have you here today. For those of you who don't know, Megan was um, one of my college roommates at Hendricks College. She actually gave me the nickname Kitty. Um, And she's one of my favorite people because she's like living her best life in California, being an actress and doing everything that everyone wishes they could do, but they're not making it they can't do. (laughs) (laughs) There's a life I'm living. (laughs) I'm just super excited to have Megan here because she's honestly one of the most honest people I've ever met. And because she's so awesome, faces imposter syndrome every day, but also this is like, what the fuck is imposter syndrome? I'm just going to do it, whatever. Oh, girl. No, I, uh, yeah, full first off, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me. My sweet kitty, back again. Uh, it's been too long, can confirm it's been too long. Um, yeah, no, imposter syndrome, that's like a crazy thing. Um, I know I live that every day of my life. <laughs> no that's totally fair I mean like you're enacting in LA that's that's like literally that's your paycheck every day is imposter syndrome oh god no it's like um well because like what's what's funny what's funny enough is like so it's like there's two layers to it to me um because one is with the acting world um I remember the very first time I booked my like network tv co-star which was like approximately 30 seconds of me like as the credits were rolling over my face so i don't really know if i want to count it but like uh, i was on tv on a network show but like legitimately when my agent called me and told me i got it i was like they must have gotten like the files mixed up like obviously they didn't pick me obviously something got like backwards and they meant to pick the other person and not me but i mean i'll take it I mean, but, uh, that's that's fair yeah. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't meant to be me right like you just like I was like I just happened to be the only one free right that's what it was yeah no okay um but then I also like my day job um I ended up like sort of moving up the ranks rather rapidly in my day job and ended up being director of operations for like a year and a half and she's uh, awesome don't let her know it's not awesome no, because then when shit goes bad, sorry, stuff goes bad, people blame me. Uh, and then you have to, like, then kind of, like, clean it up. But, no, there was, like, legitimately times where I was, like, a 20, because I think I was, like, 26 at this time, 25, 26 when I really started doing it. And uh, I'd have, like, all these, like, 40-year-olds in front of me, and I'd be like, um, you guys need to um, do, do it the other way. 
and they'd be like looking at me because they got like master's degrees and crap and I'm sitting here with like my little bachelor's of psychology telling them like (laughs) (laughs) but that's what makes you so great okay I figured we we skipped ahead um Megan will you tell us a little bit about yourself who are you how'd you get here (laughs) I realize we gave people no background (laughs) oh well my background's not that interesting. Um, I, well, I'll give you, so like I said, I like to, what I, what I say is I lived a double life. There's like two lives in me. Um, the first part of my life is the person that you, you talked about in your little thingy that you sent me. Um, I, after Hendrix, I decided to pick up and pack up and move on out to California. Um, and it was really funny because I moved out and everybody's like, did you like not know anybody? Did you move out by yourself? Wow, that's so brave. I was like, brave, stupid, <laughs> brave. I don't know. Um, but it was one of those things like acting was the only thing I knew that I would ever be happy doing for the rest of my life. I knew it was the only thing. Like, I mean, I, I always joke around that um, the way I decided I knew I was going to be an actor was I accidentally took drama in high school. Um, so I just needed an elective. I was like, I guess I'll take it and uh did one monologue and i joke around that it's like i sat down after that monologue and like the heavens opened up and like the the angels sang and it was just like one of those moments where the universe felt right and i was like all right this is it okay carrying on and that was that um and so moved out here and my first year was incredibly difficult uh because i had only ever done theater and I moved out to the land of film and television with no footage of me. And so my first year, I was like, will anyone point a camera at me? That's not porn. Uh, that like, must be much harder than you think it would be, too. <laughs> You're just like, okay, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I accidentally walked into a porn once. Um, oh, my God, no, this story is wild. Okay, so I, um, this is later on. Um, but I was auditioning for another short film. And was in like the little casting area. Like there's like these casting offices where it's not just like one casting director. It's like for a lot of low budget stuff where lots of casting directors can be. Um, and I was sitting there waiting for my other thing. This guy came up. He's like, hey, I really want you to audition for my project. Can, you, can I give you these sides for a second? And I was like, yeah, totally. And like I auditioned for the sides. It was cool. It was like whatever. Left. They called me a little while later. They're like, okay, we want to book you as one of these other women not the role that you you booked but some of these other people and I was like okay cool great and then I they're like you're, here's your costume fitting and I was like can I see a script like a like a full script and they're like yeah 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 but here's your costume fitting so I show up for my costume fitting and it's like bras with vines over it and stuff and I'm like <laughs> that wasn't in the script that I read and uh, the costumer was like, oh, you haven't read the script? And she's like, and I was like, no. And she's like, oh, here, take this one. So I took it home and read it. And it was like, oh, my God. Um, there, It was a world in the future where nuclear fallout had made women the superior gender and, like, had weakened men. And so, like, there were hordes of women and, like, they would keep men as prisoners and they figured out how to make men get pregnant to carry the, the women. And then... But then there was, like, a, a Range Rover that was, like, a time machine, and there was, like, a guy that was, like, a Trump supporter who was, like, dating, like, this Russian person, and she, like, and then guards came. I don't know. Like, <laughs> at some point, there were crystals and lasers that would shoot it out. And it, I, anyway, there was an orgy, I think. So that's the porn I was almost in. Um, 
whoops. <laughs> anyway, sorry, super, anyway. And have just been sort of uh, going on and I can say that while I'm not where I wanna be in my career, every single year I've done something that I consider better than the year before. And I think better is subjective because everybody's better is a little bit different. Like I said, my first year was like, well, literally anybody film me. The next year, I started booking better quality things, and then I started booking longer things, and so on and so forth. And uh, over the last year, I have done now done six feature films. And you should definitely check her out because they're pretty awesome. She doesn't know that I have actually seen some of them, but I silently stalk her in the background. I can't remember the names, but like anytime you talk about them, I'm like, I'm gonna put this on my schedule to go watch. Did you watch my terrible deadly flight one where I was in it for like ten minutes? Yes. That was actually, that was actually, the director was so nice. I really liked that project. But my my mom was like, I didn't like anybody else but you. I was like, mom, I think you're required to say that. (laughs) That's such a good mom right there. (laughs) But like, Megan is super talented. Like, I think she's like, she's not giving herself enough credit for this. Like, she is super talented. And like, I'm not saying this because I'm her friend, but like, honestly, she is really, 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 really talented. Um, Mm. And like when she told me we were like it was like our senior year and she told me what her plan was after college and I was like the fuck Megan <laughs> you just go <laughs> move out to LA and just become an actress what the hell and then she just did it she just did it and then just started booking stuff and I was like who does this no one just moves to LA and starts booking things and then there's Megan um and like they, that just speaks so much to her tenacity in this whole process like she wasn't going to take anyone's no for an answer so could you tell us? There's been lots of no's that I've had to answer. There's been lots of no's I've had to eat. <laughs> like, how did you keep your composure and kind of shift your mindset to when you get a no, it's not a never, it's just a not right now or not this project? Um, some of it, well, there's a lot of reasons I'll take no's. Some of it is, um, there are projects I know for a damn fact I didn't spend time working on. There are projects I know that I didn't really invest in and it comes across. And so when they're like, no, I don't take it as a personal affront because I know I didn't necessarily put in the man hours for it. And then there's no's I get where I lie to myself uh, and think, well, I was too tall, you know, so obviously because I was too tall, they didn't book me, but they would have booked me otherwise. Uh, That gets me through a lot. Uh, (laughs) Just lying to yourself really gets you through a lot out here. Um, then, uh, and then there's, there's ones that hurt. There's ones that sting where I really felt like I did a really awesome tape and then don't get it. And now those kind of hurt. Um, but the the thing that really just sort of keeps me going is the fact that like, there's going to be 7,000 more opportunities. Like if you actually saw the sheer amount of breakdowns that I go through every single day, like character breakdowns are what you get. And they'll be like, we're looking for this type of person for this role and this type of person, like it's a feature film. And I mean, I could literally spend hours each day just filtering through the sheer amount of crap that's out there. And some of it is crap. One of my favorite ones that I saw was looking for a woman to run around topless chasing a chicken. You told me about that and I was like, and you didn't take it. I felt like you could have done that one. It would have been great. Yeah, no, I am from Arkansas, but no. But that's uh, what I love about you is that you kind of, you you rationalize this. Like, you know that there's more coming 
it's not like this one no is going to be the no forever. It's always the, okay, it's a no on this one. What's next? Even if it hurts. Yeah. The, the, uh, the one that I can specifically say that hurt, that I can remember right now, is like I was in Ark. Every freaking time I go to Arkansas, I get some nutty ass audition that I would never get otherwise. So I got called in to audition for Ryan Murphy's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, got that call and they're like, can you come in on Friday? I wasn't supposed to fly back till Saturday. And I was like, what? And so I, I changed my flight. I flew back early. I did it. And, but literally got off the plane from LAX, drove to my apartment, changed and went to the audition. And so I was just really kind of like, yeah. And I don't think I did well. Um, and so that kind of stings. Cause like, I think under another circumstance, I would have done really well at that role. Um, but that was like a learning opportunity for me as well. Cause I realized I did it the way I thought they wanted me to do it and not the way my heart wanted me to do it. Um, and what's funny is after I did it the first time, they were like, do it this other way, which is the way that I had originally wanted to do it. And so, you know, gotta remember, it's funny, like you sort of talk yourself out of your own instincts a lot, thinking you want, they, you want that they want this certain thing and you convince yourself that they want this certain thing and so you do the thing that's like what they want in reality they wanted you let's let's talk a little bit more about that because i think that's something that regardless if you're acting or in a job or anything at all this whole like following your gut <laughs> instinct thing that like honestly i don't think i figured out like how to actually listen to my gut until like maybe two years ago which i wish i had learned that a lot sooner <laughs> probably would have saved me a lot of like heartbreak and hurt just from dumb things that I did. Um, but like, let, let's talk about how you, how your process lets you follow your gut and how you kind of learn to listen to it in the acting process. Uh, that the answer is not going to be as fancy as you want it to be. It's I sit down and I read a script and go, I'm going to do it this way. And then I do it that way. That's, there's not anything fancy. Um, I've had a long journey with acting classes and, you know, there's Meisner and there's Stella and then there's this and then there's that. And I don't think I'm any one process. It's like, um, I just read it and I feel it, you know, uh, <laughs> very woo woo. Um, but I don't do a lot of like, I don't do a ton of notations. They didn't end up distracting me more than anything. Um, if I do a notation, it'll be like, hey, remember something that happened, you know, however long ago, kind of harkens back to this moment. But um, it's, I don't dig too much into it because I feel like the more I dig into it, the less real it becomes. No, that's perfect. And like, I 100% agree. <laughs> yeah. Because I think what's meant for you is supposed to be there in some way. And like your gut's telling you that there's a direction. So yes, yes to all of it. I, I know everyone's probably listening being like, what are they talking about? <laughs> but listen to my heart. <laughs> so like one of the best like ways to overcome like the feeling of being an imposter is just to listen to yourself. <laughs> like so many times we try to be something else, be someone else try to fit into a box that's not meant for us. <laughs> and that's when we feel like we're going to be found out. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. That's when we feel like 
we're not up for something. But like, as soon as you start going back to like the root of who you are and what you originally felt with something, all of a sudden, all those worries kind of go away. <laughs> Even if it's a no, you knew that you gave it your best and mm -hmm. you gave it your authentic self and that's all you can really do. Yeah. Yeah, the tapes I the tapes I don't necessarily the tapes I regret are the ones I didn't work on. It's not the ones that I did really well on and then didn't get because there's always the chance that they remember you, um, which is true because I've I've been called back for things and I've booked things quite simply because somebody remembered two or three other auditions I did for them that never got, and that happens all the time out in LA. You know, for bigger actors, smaller actors, whoever like you audition and people and it's a good tape. You might not be right for that role, but if you did a good job and you were honest, they remember that. That's um, so that's like, that's good. What I'm learning to work on though is like when, <laughs> when I don't agree with people or when people's interpretations don't agree with my interpretations. Um, cause I have been on sets where the way that I feel about a character is not the way that the director wants me to play it. And then it's, then that's like the weird thing where it's like, I, this is how I've been playing it the whole damn time. Why are you changing this on me now? I don't understand. I don't get it. Why? Um, but really good directors won't be like, no, I want you to do it this way. Really good directors will sit down and talk to you and be like, okay, think about it. This is what I'm thinking about. What are you thinking about? Okay. And some of them will be like, oh yeah, no, you are right. Let's just maybe turn up this little piece here, or maybe tone that down there. And then some of them will be like, or I'll be like, oh, no, I forgot. You right. You right. <laughs> But it's it's about the collaboration process. It's like the ones where it's like, no, we're gonna do it this way, and I'm like, then why'd you hire me? You could have hired any Joe Blow if you wanted that. <laughs> what I did in the audition, though, so I don't really know why all of a sudden this is like an entirely different character. <laughs> I don't get it. I love that because I could definitely see you like looking at the at the director being like, so what? <laughs> Oh, I will probably admit there are times in my life where I will probably not be hired back because of my inability to keep my damn mouth shut. Um, because if some, if I don't agree with something on set, if they are giving me a direction that I don't like or I don't think fits within, I will stop. I will be like, all right, sorry, hold on, pause. I know we got a movie to shoot, but I need to figure this out. Because if I don't figure it out and I don't trust it, then it comes across in the performance. Mm -hmm. Like I've legit gone back and watched things and be like, mm, I didn't believe a damn word I was saying. Mm -mm, not a damn word. But that's like so important, regardless if it's like acting or like you get a project at work and you don't understand why you're getting this project or why this project's even happening. And you're like, so can we take like 10 steps back and figure out what the hell this project even is? And why is it oh, giving me? <laughs> I'm, that is very much so my, like is at work at my other job, I do not do well with getting told to do something that doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Do not do well with it. There have been so many times where I've been like, look, I am more than happy to complete this project for you, but I need you to tell me why and what's the long-term benefit and why it's better than this other thing that we're doing. And sometimes I figure it out and go, yeah, no, you're totally right. Let's do it. But I don't like, sort of the blind faith of just moving forward and not understanding why I'm doing something or what does like the long-term benefit because I've done, I've wasted my time on too many things in life. That's so true. Like that is the most realest statement ever. <laughs> Cause yes. Yes. My time too many, but my, my time is too valuable to sit here and do something just cause you want me to. Sorry. 
But at the same time, I feel like that's exactly why you'll be brought back to a set, even with a director who's like, she talked back to me and I don't know why. They're going to be like, but I appreciate the tenacity. She had to like ask questions. (laughs) But the other thing that I've learned is there are some people, I don't care if they ask me back. That's the other side. Because I've worked with directors or whoever, and I've been like, wow, I don't care if I ever work with you again. Because you don't, you're about your vision, and you're about yours, and it's all about you, 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 and you're not here for the creative process. You're not here to make a good movie. You're here to just, like, whatever's in your head. And there are directors like that. There are very much so directors like that. Um, And they've made damn good movies. but. It really all comes down, I think, to just the collaborative process for me and how much I enjoy being a part of being what a being part made. of something. And like I said, that's like that's not that's not just acting. That's my whole life. Like in work and my relationships. I don't like just saying this is how we're gonna do it. I like to be, I like want feedback. How would you do it? Do you have any better ideas? Because the way I'm doing it might be stupid. Like, let me know. Like, don't look, help me not waste my time. Um, open to feedback. But it's how people like give and receive the feedback, I think is what's key. No, that's very true. Let's kind of go back on the whole, sometimes there's directors that you don't want to work with again. Like in the world of acting, there's only so many directors out there, only so many people producing films. Like, how do you get to a point where you can, like, feel comfortable saying, you know what, I'm good if I never work with this person again. Like, knowing in some ways that might limit opportunities for you. If they don't trust me. Mm. If they don't trust me, then I lock up. And I've seen it. I've gone back and watched things where I didn't, the director didn't trust what I was doing um, or didn't allow me to try what I was doing and I can go back and I can see my performance and I'm like that was a shitty performance that was not great and I did and I know it sounds so weird but like because when I say like I didn't feel safe on set that does not mean physically or 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 sexually like that's not what I mean I mean safe in the way that like I could go out and um show my emotions um like I here's an example of a good director I just did a movie a couple months ago um and I'm so bad at crying on cue can't do it so bad at it I don't know I don't know if I just don't have feelings I don't I, whatever but I just can't cry on cue really bad and so I went and bought myself some little eye drops because I was like I'm just gonna go ahead and fabricate these we're just gonna pretend you know let that that, that little singular tear drop down but he was like, you know what, just take time, take space. He didn't put pressure on me. He said, you know what, I'm going to be setting up. You come in when you're ready. I said, okay. And I walked in there, put in my little eye drop, sat there a minute and walked out. I just fucking bawled, man. Just bawled my little eyeballs out. And it was because of the environment he created where I knew I could fail and be caught and I could succeed and be rewarded. I think that's so important. And I like, regardless of what industry you're in, that is so important. Like that you have your boss, your manager, your company, you feel as though you are secure and safe with them. Not in the sense that like big publicity news or everything, but bringing your authentic self and your authentic processes 
to the table. Um, mm-hmm. Because I joke constantly, I think y'all have seen it on um, Non-Threatening Black Girl, that I've cried <laughs> underneath desks several times because I've been in unsafe work environments where I felt like I couldn't bring my whole self or my authentic process to work, which has led to me crying underneath my colleague's desk <laughs> several times. Um, and that's like, it's so stifling. And you don't, honestly, you don't realize that there could be better until you, re- you experience better at the same time. And then you're just like, oh, I never want to go back to that. <laughs> No, 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 no. Um, I think what's important is to fight for yourself, even when you know it might not go well. Um, I have uh, a, my current boss who I've had at um, my job. He's, uh, he's, I actually got hired with him because he's got like a learning disability and literally was just hired to read his email. My, my first job was literally, I was just supposed to read his emails to him. And then just slowly, you know, started doing more and more. But uh, when I started taking on more of a leadership role, he's, um, he's like a visionary. So he'll like throw like 72 ideas at the wall and then like expect all of them to somehow get done. And I would have to be like, no, you've thrown like 72 ideas out. 30 of them directly conflict with each other. And like another 20 just like physically are not possible. So like, we're going to stick with these. And, uh, saying no like when you're not capable and uh, or not saying not when you're not capable when when it's not possible and standing up for yourself like last night he sent me something like literally just last night um he was like hey we needed to email that person I said we emailed that person last week and he said no we didn't and then my my petty ass (laughs) (laughs) and sent it back to him and I said don't fuck with me We have that kind of relationship. We have that kind of relationship. Do not recommend telling your boss, don't fuck with me. Um, <laughs> but like, I love that. Response, but you right, you right. Because <laughs> that's like, that's the relationship that I think we all expect kind of in work when you kind of graduate from college, that you're like, oh, I'm going to be in this great environment where I can be myself and ask questions and like push back and. Don't let people <laughs> doubt you. That's what it is. Don't give people the space to doubt you. Like when I first started, it was very much so, um, well, I think, and one time he told me, and this is so crazy. He told me, it bit him in the, it bit him in his own ass, but he said, don't say, I think he said, don't say, I think if, if somebody asks you if that report's done, don't say, I think that report is done. Say that report is done. Don't say, or that report is not done. Don't say, I think, cause I think just weakens whatever you're about to say and um we have a new director of operations now and she's kind of doing the same thing where she'll go he'll be like well why aren't we doing this and she'll say well i think it's because and i told her i said do not say i think because it's not grounded it's Mm -hmm. too you can't see my finger motions but there's finger motions you do Uh, wonderful whimsical spirit fingers when you're trying to give something very broad just in case you wanted the context That's a better explanation than what I could have done. Um, and I can't tell you how many times that's been true for me. Because um, what I now have started to say, if I'm not sure about it, I'll say I feel um, instead of I think. Because then again, it's like, I'm, I've, it's like, this is more like in the acting world. If somebody will say something, I'll say, I feel as if that conflicts with this other thing. 
And so it really helps with that. And But again, that's so crazy. Just that one little phrase change really changed a lot of my dynamic in my work environment. That's so true because like you think your brain is like this concrete thing that other people can see and understand. So when you say, I think you make it, if it feels more secure than it is, but like feelings you can't, you, no one can buck how you feel about something. <laughs> like those are your personal, those are grounded as grounded can be. And I think even in like office spaces, when you feel as though something's not right, saying, I feel concerned <laughs> about this. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause no one can tell you, no, you don't feel concerned. You're like, whoa, dude. <laughs> You cannot, you cannot dictate what a person does and does not feel. Yes. You can't do it. Um, something that I learned in working in a shit ton of therapists, uh, or with all these therapists, is um, in arguments, getting away from you statements. Yep. You statements versus I statements. Instead of you did not do that, you would say, hey, I'm just a little hurt that it was not done or something, or, but it, like in relationships, like... Um, you know, there have been times when my boyfriend and I have gotten into it and I've tried to say, instead of saying, well, you, 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 or this, 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 it's like, it made me feel, or I feel it it impacts me this way, regardless of whatever they thought they were intending to do. Because if you say you were being mean, well, they were like, well, no, I wasn't being mean because to them, they were not being mean, but you perceived it that way. And that's what they need to hear. Yeah, that's something I'm learning in therapy. Thank you um, to our wonderful um, married counselor slash couple therapist who's still working with us. Everyone should have one. There's nothing wrong with our relationship. We've been together forever. Um, it's just some. It's good to have a neutral third party always. I, I've. It's very funny. Um, I spent a lot of years in a lot of relationships not saying how I really felt. Um, I spent a lot of years allowing myself to be dictated by the other person. And uh, this is the first relationship where I feel like I've really stood my ground in a lot of areas. And really, if something bothers me, I'm going to tell you, man. (laughs) (laughs) But what's funny is I think a lot of girls are perceived as being very passive and they will not tell you when something's bothering them. Though, like, it'll be that thing that, like, sits there for, like, seven years and, like, you know, one day you don't, like, put the milk away and it's like, I hate you! It's like, well, I don't understand. Um, Yeah. And I'm learning to say it. And it's really funny because my boyfriend, like, because I am so vocal when things are, like, not okay with me, I think he used to take more offense to it Mm -hmm. and now he'll hear it because he knows it's not me just being like again more fear fingers (laughs) no I definitely understand that like since we started our like process with Melissa our marriage counselor and everything like it's helped conversations be so much more authentic and like it takes the hurt out of conversations a lot of times because like as soon as someone says you do something wrong all of a sudden you get into defense mode um, it's like, you can't help it. That is just naturally how we react as humans. So like when you take that from you did something wrong to, I feel like that made me feel sad. Those walls come down and they all of a sudden hear you and they're just like, wait, what? <laughs> I, how did I make you feel sad? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you just don't know. Yeah. Um, crazy. And then, cause I think we're doing this like leadership thing for work. And uh, we're, we, you should take it if you haven't. It's called the predictive index. and it's like, I love that shit. Sorry. So, that shit is life. <laughs> but one of the, the predictive index is, it's like the predictive index, I think is what it's called. But um, did it. And uh, one of my things was like, reacts aggressively when challenged. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Might be. 
Yep. <laughs> like that thing is scarily accurate, first off. And second, like it's so it's such good insights for colleagues and such, definitely if you're having trouble communicating with them, because it breaks down like things that work well with communicating with them, things that work terribly. Don't do this. If you're talking to this person, do not do this at all because you will get nowhere in this conversation. And like it's the smallest tweaks that like change everything and people that you hated working with all of a sudden become your best friend because you know how to communicate with them all of a sudden. It's oh yeah, no, my, my communication style is very direct. Like I'm direct to a fault at times, which I uh, take offense to because being direct uh, is seen as a negative trait. I see it as getting shit done. But um, um, I do, I am so stupidly busy with my whole life. Like every aspect of my life is just like insanely busy. And so the, there are people who need you to sit down. Hi, how was your day? Wow, that looks like a cute shirt. Oh, by the way, if you can, can you get those reports? No, I don't have time for that. I need to be able to tell you what you need to do and I need you to do it and I need us to move on like human beings. And that's, I have to learn that that's not a universal sentiment. Nope, living with me should have told you that because I'm definitely that one. I was like, I wanna have a little conversation and then tell me what we need to do or then I'll give you directions. I wanna bond first though. <laughs> Like the sandwich. It's like you need to cuddle. Yeah. Like while you like be like, by the way, I hate you. So. <laughs> it just feels softer that way. It's like I feel good. Cause I'm like, compliments, compliments, love you. This is wonderful. I learned so much about you. Can you do this now? <laughs> yeah, I'm not so good at that. <laughs> not so great. But that's like it takes all of us to make the world work. If everyone wanted to have a conversation, we'd get nothing done. Ever. Ever. I know. I got, for the first time in my life, I was told I was mean. I feel like For I your first like, time? Yeah. Consistently. Okay. I was like, I feel like that's a lie, but okay. You <laughs> told I was mean. No. I, no, sorry. That's a lie. I have been told I was mean before. This is the first time I've been told in my life that I'm scary. Also, I feel like that's a lie. I'm not that scary. You're very intense. Sometimes. <laughs> No, I can't. When you're about your shit, you are intense. And it can come off scary because you're also like one of the most like happy, chipper people you would ever meet. And like you'll go off on someone with an absolute smile on your face and you're like, is this bitch crazy? Or did the world end? Like what happened? I have lost friends over that. I have like just legitimately lost friends. Not to be named, but you know who I'm talking about. Oh yeah, I know. Um, because I just, I don't have time. My time is valuable. That's the other thing is like, I just learned my time is valuable. And again, just like as a product of relationships, I learned that my time is my own and I can be productive with it or not be productive with it. And I have choose to move forward because I've got too many things in life that I need to do to not use my time wisely. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. One big question. If you were 22 again, moving to LA, what advice would you give yourself? <laughs> ah, shit. Somebody asked me this the other day and I had a really good answer. Um, <laughs> this isn't going to be as good. Um, it's going to be hard. And I think that that sounds like a kind of a bad piece of advice, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be awful. There are going to be days you hate it. There are going to be days where you feel like there's no way 
there are going to be people that you don't like. You are going to have to work more than you ever really thought you were going to work. And if you want it, then you'll get it. And it's not, a ma like I've, I always sort of reference back to, oh my God, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm going to sound stupid. <laughs> um, like Thomas Edison, Jefferson, something, I don't know. Um, where it's like people always think people are lucky, but it's like, opportunity or what is it no luck is when opportunity meets hard work yes That's what it is how i had to get there sorry um it's saturday you're good <laughs> um because i feel like all the good things that have happened in my life have been because i was working and i was ready and i had been preparing for it and I mean, I can't tell you the nights that I've stayed up working on my website, the nights I've stayed up looking at other people's headshots, looking at my headshots, like comparing people that are booking, like what is like the it factor with their headshots, the amount of casting breakdowns I've gone through, the amount of, the sheer amount of pages I have learned that have never gone anywhere. Um, the people that I've had to talk to, the rooms I've walked in and out of, it's just like, there's so much you have to commit to financially, mentally, emotionally, and you just have to know that you want it. You have to know in your heart that this is the only thing that is going to make you happy. And I, and I know that cause I think about a life of living like a normal day job and I like die a little, like can't do it. No, sorry. Like this is just what I love and it's all I'm ever going to accept. And that's what it is. This has to be the only thing you'll accept. And then it's easy. If you know there's not another alternative, then it's a really easy choice to make. That's such great advice. Like, I'm thinking about my own experiences. I'm like, ooh, but really though, like, it's hard regardless of where you're adulting at or how you're adulting. It is hard. They don't tell you that. <laughs> um, you're gonna have to do a shit ton of work that you never thought you would have to do. And unless you really want it, it's not gonna just come to you. Unless you put in the hours and the intention and and be in the rooms that you need to be in and do the work that you need to do, know the lines that you need to know, know the skills you need to know. It's just not going to happen. And I think that's the biggest way to counteract imposter syndrome is by doing the work. Mm -hmm. um, because you can't, there's no way that you can like psych yourself out of something when you know you've done the work to get here. Mm -hmm. And there's no way someone else can psych you out of it either because you're just like, I've done what I need to do. I'm just waiting for the right opportunity now. <laughs> mm -hmm. and you got to take the you out of you out of it. And it has to just be the work. Yes. Like you have to take you out of the equation. Um, Cause that's the biggest thing. I think a lot of young actors struggle with is them as an actor and them as a person are not actually the same. They're not. And people say, well, like if they like you as a person, they will hire you as an actor or whatever. But like, I feel like me as a person and me as an actor are very different people and a rejection is not a rejection of you 
-hmm. It's not saying you are not good enough. It's saying this character wasn't quite right. And that's, that's kind of how you have to protect yourself there in that regard. But you also like just in the real world, if an opportunity doesn't come to you, I'm a big believer in the universe happens uh -huh. and the universe has a design. There's reasons for things. There are probably things I didn't get, which there's a greater purpose for that, that I don't quite know yet. Um, and there are things that I got because I know that there was a greater purpose for it. And just sort of having that, it's like, it's kind of, it's, it's a little, it's a, it's a little conflicting. Whereas part of it's like, you just, the universe has a plan, but also you have to work for it. It's mm -hmm. like, you have to be, you have to be putting yourself in the universe's path, I guess is the best way for me to say it. No, that makes complete sense because like, if you don't do the work to get ready for whatever the universe has prepared for you, yes, exactly. It's like, and I, Megan knows this about me. I'm a big fan of um, everything happens for a reason. Um, and that it just, it will, it happens. There's a lesson to be learned. Something is going to come from this. I don't know what the fuck it is at the time. And I really wish I would know right now, but it's, I'm just waiting for it to happen. And it, it's, and I see my time in waiting as my time in preparation. Um, I am mm -hmm. here to prepare myself for whatever the bigger picture is. Mm -hmm. And that same energy also will guide me into knowing how I need to prepare myself for that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that gives me so much comfort in this very uncertain world. <laughs> and I think you also, I mean, I've known you for a long time now and I, I know you're always doing things. You're always, you all, you always have like 72 irons in the fire. I remember back at Hendrix, I'd be like, girl, you need to sit down for like a minute and not involve yourself with something crazy for like two seconds. Um, because the other thing that I've learned in all of this, um, this was a lesson I learned in the last year, probably really is the self care and mm -hmm. giving yourself the permission to actually not do the thing. Um, giving yourself the permission to not sign up for the thing, giving yourself permission to maybe not hustle on this night. Um, Because, like, you know, someone like you who is a go, 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 go person, there will be a day where you will implode. There was a day that I imploded. And it's hard. And I had to admit to myself that the other side of the hustle is the care. And if you can't do the care, you physically cannot carry on with the hustle. Um, heavy. The hustle is like a muscle that you got to keep working out, but also rest so that it doesn't like tear on you because it will tear <laughs> and it will hurt. It, I last year had a very difficult year and um, had to come to terms with a lot of things about like knowing that I needed to sit down and it was okay. It was okay to sit down. It was okay. I literally needed to it was it was time and um i am constantly this is like the the new thing that i've kind of been exploring is like the toxic hustle culture mm -hmm. which is if you're not hustling then you don't want it 
and I like did a like a actor's workshop and they were like yeah there's the hustle there's the hustle there's the hustle but like how are you like how, no how are you like what are you doing to be okay and I wasn't doing anything because I realized that acting was the thing that I was doing that was fun and was my outlet, but it had become a job and I never gave myself anything to replace it. Mm -hmm. And so I was just burning at both ends of the candle and I was no longer enjoying auditions. Like I was, I would get an audition and be like, fuck, shit. (laughs) And that's like the worst place you need to be in because how is that going to help you actually do what you need to do. Yeah. And I, uh, I, and I had to, um, I had to leave a lot of actor groups. <laughs> uh, I had to get off a lot of F- actor Facebook groups that were like, I booked it or I did this and I just got that and I'm hustling and I'm doing this. And I was just like, me? Cause it was not helping me. I had to have my process and I had to have my time and I needed to do it in the way that I felt was healthy for me. And I needed to not care about other people for a little while and not be influenced by other people's hustles and understand that that was the necessary thing. And, uh, Quarantine was great for that, by the way. I know, right? All of a sudden, like, you're like, oh, I have nothing but to sit my ass down. That was fucking great. <laughs> I was probably the only person in the entire world who was like, yes, I get to do nothing. And I mean, I still was doing my day job, working for my day job from home. But I didn't have auditions. I didn't have anything else. And then they started all these stupid ass self-tape challenges that I had to do. And I was like, no, y'all, I was perfectly fine sitting there. <laughs> but I got shamed into doing them all because I felt like I had to for the hustle. But at least you had given yourself some time to relax before the hustle crept back in. <laughs> but, you know, just be at peace, man. Be at peace with yourself. Well, Megan, thank you so very much, as always, for your bright spot in my day of talking to you. I don't know, this is kind of a lame-ass, or a a depressing sort of thing to sit on. (laughs) (laughs) Not really, it's true. It's like, that's like truth right there. You you gotta sit your ass down. (laughs) Like, it's a thing. It's a thing. Like, regardless of how people want to feel about it, and if they say it's depressing, then they haven't crashed yet. Crashing hurts. Crashing takes a lot of work afterwards to get back. Stephanie once you've like dug yourself out of the dirt. Like Yeah. (laughs) But thank you, Megan. There seems to be a theme emerging in these episodes. Knowledge seems to be the ultimate weapon against imposter syndrome. The more you prepare and know your shit, the harder it is for others to doubt you or for you to doubt yourself. I truly hope Megan's conversation inspired you as much as it's inspired me. Sometimes we just have to sit our asses down and the hustle is always going to be there. Join us again next week as we continue answering the question, am I qualified to do this? Until then, remember, if not you, then who?